Wonderfully Weird podcast. Here's your host, KC Hunter. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the Wonderfully Weird podcast. This is episode number five, and uh, it's a workshop episode. We're talking about uh, one of the many hobbies that I have. This one's about writing again. Um, and it's geared towards a question that I hear from a lot of people. It's like, when people find out that I, I've written books and write novels, and I, I'm, I'm doing it quite frequently now, the question is, you know, you hear, well, I couldn't do that, or how did you do that? Or, you know, I don't even know where to begin with it. So this episode, I wanted to talk about, like, just my process, and perhaps maybe that will help other people out there who've, who've had an inclination to, to write or have had a desire to do so and have never really known like the steps to do it. Or especially there are a lot of people I know who've written things, but they've never actually finished the stories that they've written. You know, they, they wrote something like 10 years ago. They've been working on it here and there for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is. And they never finished it. So I'm going to talk about my process because I was in that boat as well. Um, one of the things I, I think that is key, though, that I should point out is that I have wanted to be a storyteller since middle school, since I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. I was that kid in middle school, and I specifically remember this, who organized the kids in class. This is when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was popular, and I wrote a script for our own Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I went to Home Depot and forged all the, the turtle weapons <laughs> out of sheet metal using a pair of scissors, which is not the safest thing in the world to do that with jagged edges and then hand it to a bunch of 12 year olds and have us running up and down hills behind the school. <laughs> I'm you know, you could not do that today. I'm surprised no one got hurt. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen when kids do things. But, you know, we wrote a whole thing. Had my mom rent a video camera from Blockbuster Video at the time when you had to rent video cameras because they were very expensive, a camcorder. And, you know, went to school one day, got all the kids together. We filmed the movie, filmed the shots and everything else and put it together. I have no idea where that tape is now. It's lost, long since lost. But that's who I was as a kid. I, I you know, I bound it. I remember binding my own. Um, I wrote an anthology. I think it was in sixth or seventh grade. And I remember uh, you used to have the folders back in the day with the little uh, brass tacks. So you would get the hole puncher and you would punch the holes in and then getting them lined up correctly was a chore sometimes. And uh, this was on a typewriter too. I was using a typewriter. This is how old I am. And I would type up all the stuff and I put it, punch the holes in it, put it in a binder and drew a little cover on it and uh, photocopied it. And I remember there was a teacher at my school at the time. I went to Pikesville Middle School and Baltimore, Maryland, and my um, I had a teacher who photo who photocopied it for me so I could give it out to the other kids. One of those great things that teaches, you know, when you have good teachers like that, and I've always said this, good teachers encourage that kind of things in students. And I had a couple of good teachers coming up, uh, but I remember doing that. Uh, and then later on, uh, you know, my my life story about high school and college is a totally different podcast. Uh, how, you know, I kind of went off the path, but, you know, going off that path led me to where I am now, which is interesting how life works out like that. But that's how I was since I was a kid. So I've always been a storyteller and I've always enjoyed things that are, I've always enjoyed stories, whether it's in, uh, you know, of course, movies and television and of course, novels. Um, but even, in, you know, in television, it's very sp specific. Sometimes I always prefer the long form 
storytelling, the, the, the episodic stories that went on and on and on, which would carry over. I didn't really much like, um, like the standalone, you know, sitcom kind of thing. Well, this happens this week and next week is a totally different story. And as if what happened a prior week didn't exist, which I always thought was really weird. Um, even as a little, even as a little kid, even before this, when I was in uh grade, I must've been in grade school when this came out, probably third or fourth, fifth grade. Um, you know, those of us who came up in the eighties, cart- watching cartoons in the eighties, we watched, you know, He-Man and Transformers and GI Joe and Thundercats and all that stuff. My favorite was this show called Robotech, which was a cartoon, quote unquote, but it was really, and actually it's kind of historic because it's one of the first big Japanese animated stories to make it big in the United States. It was responsible for a lot of uh, Jap- Japan anime, Japanese anime, manga, whatever you want to call it, uh, There's uh, to be in the United States. Uh, a lot of people still to this day, you know, can point back to Robotech as the, you know, so and younger people have other ones like I think uh, Pokemon and Yugi, whatever it is. But for my generation, the original first otaku anime fans in the United States, I think we got a lot of it from uh, Robotech or Akira or, or shows like that. So, but Akira came on and uh, Akira Robotech was on in the mid 80s along with the He-Mans and the Transformers and all that stuff. But Robotech was different, and it wasn't overly cartoony. Uh, it had, you know, it had somewhat realistic plot. I mean, it was a big space opera. But characters actually died on the show. And one episode would continue on with what happened in a prior episode. And the characters would grow. I think it's over like a 10 or 15 or 20 year period Did you see these characters on the show. And, you know, it dealt with some really interesting things. Uh, not just a standard lesson of the week kind of thing. There were overarching themes that uh, I, I went back and rewatched this thing a couple of years ago, and I was surprised at how adult some of the themes that they were talking about. And that's a whole episode too about Robotech uh, and its importance on uh, some of a uh, subculture of uh, America, especially my uh, my generation, the Generation Xers. Uh, but I always preferred that kind of storytelling. So. My first adult novel was a Magica from Clive Barker. I'd read books before that, mostly because of school, but Magica was the first one that I remember uh, buying on purpose, <laughs> you know, going to the bookstore and buying it on purpose. Um, so that's always been there. Um, now, how I came up with Kind of Cold was, you know, about, well, maybe about two years ago. I, and people who've read Dakota Cole Forward know a little bit of this, but I had always been, uh, I've been watching, and I still to this day, even though there aren't that many of those videos anymore, watch on Sunday evenings. I watch a lot of these kind of quirky countdown shows on YouTube, um, like uh, Matthew Santoro, uh, Dark Five, um, The Richest, uh, uh, Danger Dolan, I think it's called Planet Dolan now. You know, if you don't know those channels, you know what they are. They basically count down weird things like some of them are paranormal. Some of them are just strange oddities in the world. Uh, you know, you know, top 10, you know, weird things celebrities do and stuff like that all the way to, to top 10, you know, uh, freaky animals you've never heard of or stuff like that or places that humans can't go in the world. And I was... I watch these videos like every Sunday before I go to bed and uh, just kind of a routine that I got into. And one day, a couple years ago, it, it dawned on me. I was like, you know, 
There are so many of these weird, quirky places and creatures and myths and legends and tall tales and urban legends and creepypastas. And I looked at a lot of the urban fantasy uh, books that you know are written today by indie authors and traditional authors. And I'm like, they're all about vampires, werewolves, zombies, mermaids, maybe, if you get really extreme with it. But they're always about the same thing. There's all of these other places, you know, wizards in the school, you know, but I'm like, there's all of these stories, a ton, like there's literally like a thousand of them, uh, you know, as long as I've been watching these videos every Sunday. And I was like, it'd be really cool if somebody wrote a book, there was some series or serial or story, like an Indiana Jones that dealt with these kinds of, you know, things, because Indiana Jones, remember, you know, he did the you know, the Lost Ark, uh, the Temple of Doom with the uh, the crystals, the stones or whatever. And, of course, the uh, Cup of Christ and the Last Crusade. And I was like, but there's so many other, you know, little weird, you know, anomalies like that in the world. And it'd be cool if there was like some a storyline or a series about, you know, a, an adventurer who went out and sought these things or encountered these creatures or went to these places. And of course, then, you know, the very quickly, the other side of my brain went, well, you're you're supposed to be a writer, moron. Go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and write it? And that's so that's really where the idea comes from. And I and that's where I say to people when like I can never think of something to write for a book. You've thought of something to write for a book. You have thought of a book series. You have thought of a movie. You have thought of a TV series probably about 10 times a day. You know, there's always something that you go, hmm, that would be interesting. And that, you know, we all have those thoughts. Um, so I'm just saying that that one, but not all of them are good, but this is the one for me that it just kind of all clicked. Within about the next 15 minutes, I come up with the name, Kana, Kana Cold. Kana Cold is based off of my otaku status. I'm very much into Japanese pop culture, um, as you probably already know from me talking about Robotech and anime, but uh, Kana is a name of a lot of heroines in various Japanese media that I enjoy. So Kana, she's going to be Japanese American. Her attitude is going to be kind of, you know, you know, tough, tough girl kind of thing. A little bit of Jessica Jones, a little bit of uh, uh, Ripley from aliens. So cold Kana cold. And it's got that Kana cold to it. Okay. It's very short and simple. Okay. And I immediately, I had the logo in mind. You know, Kana is going to be written in a sort of a Japanese script and Cold is going to be very a bold script. I knew what the logo was. I knew who she was. I knew what she looked like. And I was off to the races at that point. And then it was a process of, okay, how many stories do I want to tell? And what's going to be, what is she about? Who is her best friend? Right? So you start with that kind of, that's why I start with. Who, who, are, who are the people who are important in her life? She's going to have a best friend. There should be somebody in her life that's a rival. Who? What's her family structure life? Does she is she close with her family? Is she not close with her family? Um, what does she do for an occupation? What was her education? All of those kind of things. What's her? You know, what kind of relationships does she have? You know, uh, how how are her relationships with men or with women or with both? Um, you know, is, is she straight? Is she bi? Is she gay? You know, all of, all of those things kind of like filtered. Uh, through my head as to who this character was. What's her iconic trait? Well, well kind of cold is the, is the leather jacket. Um, it's her black leather jacket and the blue jeans. She's got that classic, you know, bad girl look to her. Um, at that point, then, of course, you think about what the conflicts are. What are going to be the conflicts? Well, she's going to be traveling around the world in some stories. and other stories, she's going to be in one place. 
Um, obviously, she, like pulling from those YouTube videos, she's going to be looking for different, uh, you know, artifacts, maybe some creatures, maybe some places. So that gave me a little bit of structure, by the way, to how I wanted the series to go out. So I was like, I'm going to jump around for those. So there'll be a MacGuffin. And if you don't know what a MacGuffin is, it's basically like the central plot point, the 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 holy grail or whatever of your story that the, the, the main character is pursuing. Um, so the main MacGuffin of, of each of these stories is going to change. So one story will be, if, the, if story one is about a thing, then story two should be about a place and story three should be about a creature. And I'll just kind of vary those up depending from book to book to book. Uh, it's just to keep it, uh, it fresh because each of the, because, because of what the MacGuffin is in each of those stories is going to determine what the structure is of those stories. So the first book in a series, the black grimoires, it's, it's three black grimoires, which are objects and they're going to be spliced around the planet. So obviously she's going to be doing a lot of traveling. Whereas another story, like the one that just came out, the deception of Seraphim asylum, she's going to an asylum. So it's going to be a one location, one, one the destination that the bulk of the story is going to be in. So it changes how the story is told. So those, those are kind of some of the logical things that I go through with thinking about how to construct a story. And in this particular case, construct a series, you start with an idea that you have that you go, Hey, that would be nice if somebody did that. Then you go, okay, you know, there's that point of where you have to go from, Oh, that would be nice to assertion. You know, you have to assert yourself and go, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And then once you start doing it, you start thinking about it more and you start thinking through those things. You know, what is the main character? Who are her friends? Who are the enemies? What are what is she going to be pursuing? What are her motivations? What's her backstory? Uh, you know, what is, what is the theme? What is the tone? What is her, you know, once you start going through all those things, you start to see the stories kind of writing themselves in your head. You kind of have an idea. And for me, with kind of cold uh, immediately is like, OK, this is going to be 10 stories. And there's going to be a prequel novella to kind of introduce people to the stories, but there's going to be 10 main stories and there's going to be a much like Robotech. Like I said before, um, and my love of serialized episodic, you know, storytelling, same thing with the Marvel cinematic universe, things are going to carry over. And from each book, the characters are going to change. Some of, some of the books are going to change a little, some are going to be dramatic changes, but you're going to go through this whole progression with these characters and if you're a person who's a reader, depending on when you read the books or, or the space of time between you reading the books, your life will change along with, with the story. And that's one of the cool things about episodic storytelling is that, uh, you know, take, for instance, Harry Potter. If you were 10 years old when Harry the Harry Potter books or the movies started, by the time the books were over or the movies were over, depending on which one you or both, if you follow them, you had grown up with them. But even if you're not a kid, even if you say if you were 30 when the Harry Potter started and you were 42 when they ended, you've had this whole swath of your life that is kind of is kind of bookmarked in some ways in your memories by these movies. Because if you you go back and watch the first Harry Potter movie or read the first book, you're going to get those kind of anchors in your memory to what was going on in your life at that time and go, Oh my God. Yeah. Remember I was with so-and-so or I lived here or, or I was at that job and I used to hang out with that person back then. And then, you know, and that's why there's so much more attachment 
people have to those episodic stories, those big long stories like a Lord of the Rings, like a like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Star Wars, like um, you know big long book series, like Jim Butcher's book series, the Harry Dresden series. You know, you you're you you feel that you're attached to all these things as they go over time, and your life changes as the story changes, as you grow with those characters, as those characters change. That is a very powerful thing. And that's why I'm I'm happy that um, it's becoming more common in the mainstream because it wasn't always that way. Um, It was kind of, you know, especially before the end of the 90s, it was really kind of sequestered to, you know, soap operas and and pro wrestling. was Those were probably the two only ones that, you know, fictional forms of storytelling there probably are other ones but those are the two ones that jump out to mind because they're the two anchors of television uh well two of the the couple anchors of television news pro wrestling and and soap operas made television uh back in the day and they've gone on forever and they've never they never end (laughs) you know there's you can follow it for decades and through generations through lifetimes uh, but that wasn't common. It was seen as like th- th- that kind of uh, serialized, episodic storytelling was kind of confined to those less than respected story beams. You know, soap operas and pro wrestling are not very respected amongst the general public. Uh, but in novels, in comic books, you know, it's comic books you can throw in there too, but novels and most people don't read. So that existed there. You know, how many Nancy Drews were there? How many Sherlock Holmes you know, tomes were there. You know, there's there's tons of of serialized stories in literature. Uh, comic books, of course, have have their heritage and their lineage of episodic stories. That's the entire crux of comic book storytelling. They it's so unique to comic books because comic books tell comic books tell episodic storytelling in a way that's unique to comic books. That the movies sometimes can't really touch on. Like there's a couple of them that you, you you know you get that feel. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has done the best with it, about trying to get the same kind of feeling you get uh, with the MCU going for eleven years that you know comic book fans had by growing up and reading comics and seeing all these crazy stories and these big tentpole stories and everything else. Uh, so that but that brings up a big point about writing a series. So with Connor Cold and writing a series, it's a little bit different than writing one book. Um, and I already know some people are out there who are like, oh, my God, I have 15 years just to write the first book. Well, I can't imagine writing 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. You know, some people have written over 100. There are authors who've written over 100 books. You know, Stephen King, what's Stephen King's at 50 something or whatever it is. Uh, Bella Forrest, she's got God knows how many on Amazon right now. I think it's well over 100 books um, on, on Amazon right now. You know. Some people can't imagine writing that many books. Like they they struggle just getting the first one out. But here's the thing about getting the first one out: once you it's it's like everything else in life almost. Once you do the first one, doing the second one is easier, and then doing the third one is easier, and then you start getting into routine. It's like everything else. It's like working out a muscle. It's like if you go to the gym. That first day you go to the gym, if you haven't worked out for a long time, it is painful to do curls. It is painful to get your cardio up. It is painful to be on that bike. You're like, oh my God, I can't do this again. How? I can't. I can barely get to the first one. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do this in two days. But every day you go back and the more you do it, the easier it is. And then the more you, and and then here's the biggest key is not to get into the routine and go, okay, it's easier now, so I'm just going to do 10 curls. You don't do that. You do 11. 
And then the next time you're going to do 12. And it may mean maybe next time you're really going to push yourself and do 15. It's the same thing with writing a series of books. The first time it's, going to, it's really tough, painful. You make a lot of mistakes. You don't know what you're doing. Your editor's on your ass telling you you're doing all this wrong. Rewrite all this. Get rid of this. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, I can't do this again. But again, the more you do it, the second book's easier. Third book's easier. And that's important that you see with all the serial uh, novelists. By a certain point in time, they're just, you know, it's not even a thing for them. You know, they're they're just snapping these books off like maybe a month or two to write them. And then the revisions and everything else, depending on depending on the author, of course. Uh, but they can they can knock the stuff out and then refine it afterwards. And that the whole process becomes a lot easier. And I've definitely found it out. So I've, this is my um, I am currently on the third uh, story in the Connor Cole series. I'm writing it right now one uh, prequel novella two full novels um i did write a book before that called the brother's lock but i have learned so much since between the brother's lock and starting the kind of cold series and kind of don't consider the brother's lock part of it because now i've i've learned and even improved my writing and the way i structure my writing so much more than i did then and it's going to continue and improve a year from now i'm going to be a far better writer than i am today and two years from now i'm going to be a far better writer than i am now and that's kind of what you got to think. So, yes, the first part is daunting. But like everything, like I said, with exercise or everything else, starting out something new is always daunting. You don't, you're not, you don't know where you are. You're not quite aware. There's always going to be something that comes out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, you know. But again, after you've done it one time, then you start seeing where the things come from. And let's boil it down to not even the series. Let's boil it down to just writing chapters. Once you write your first chapter, it's the same kind of thing. Things will be confusing to you. You'll stare at a blank page and go, I don't know. Oh, my God, what am I going to do next? How do I end this? But the more chapters you write, the easier it's going to be. The more you go back and review and revise and edit and do more things and change the story around, then it becomes easier. Then that part, you because you, I think a lot of times people think that you just start writing and you go from start to finish. But a big part of writing is the editing process, the revision process, going back and changing things and thinking and rethinking things and going, well, maybe I can do this better. Maybe this doesn't need to be here. Maybe this character I thought was important when I concepted the story is not important at all. So maybe I should just get rid of the whole character. You know, I did that with the uh, Conical novella. There's a whole part of the Conical novella about a character who I thought was going to be very important. And I wound up getting rid of the entire thing because the, at the end of the day, I was like, this just isn't important. It, it is shoehorned in here. So that becomes a fun part of the process that you get to over time. So one of the things I, I would suggest for people who are interested in writing and creative writing, uh, writing novels, you know, some sort of genre fiction or whatever. Um, I would suggest the next time you get an idea, you pick that idea up, write it down, write it down and kind of work with it a little bit. Take about five, 10 minutes, kind of think about how that would look as if it was a, a novel, if it was a comic book, if it was a TV show, if it was a movie. Um, I keep a journal, you know, close to my bed because dreams are a great place to get ideas from. You know, if you have a really good dream, wake up and write it down. A lot of times people get ideas when they're in a the shower, you know, or when they're walking or jogging or driving in the car on a commute to work, you know, write those things down. And then, you know, as again, it, as time goes on, you're going to build them up and build them up and pile, pile, pile them up. And you're going to have this kind of library of ideas that maybe you don't know where they really go. But as you're writing whatever story you're going to write, then you're going to go, oh, yeah, there's that idea that I had like five years ago. I didn't know where it goes, but now it goes in the story. 
and it fits nicely in the story. That's that's something really cool to do. So that's this very quick podcast this week about how to start writing fiction. Um, it's you know not a, this is not a course where this is me sharing my process. Uh, and hopefully it will inspire people who do, you know, again, like I said, there's a lot of people who have a hard time just getting started, just getting off the blocks with writing and hopefully just, you know, just hearing how it, it, one thing leads to another might get you past that stage where you're looking at a blank page or you don't feel like writing for four or five days to think that, and then you give up on it to not give up on it and go, it's part of the process. The more I do it, the better I'm going to be at it. And I'll get it eventually. Thank you guys for checking out the Wonderfully Weird podcast. Of course, um, if you, of course, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or or you're watching this video on YouTube or wherever you're getting this from, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Also, check us out at our website www.aoestudios.com. Lots of information, of course, about the Connor Cole book. We also have Clive Resner's books, The Imminent World. Uh, on that website as well and some blogs and some interesting posting and everything else that website is going to continue to grow and i hope you guys check out of course the conical series if you enjoy it definitely let me know uh you can contact me at contact at aoestudios.com i'll see you guys next week for another story here on the wonderfully weird podcast we will be talking to a very interesting young lady who started a business in a very interesting way. So you want to start, you want to stay tuned for that. It's a really good interview. I'll see you guys next week. Behave yourselves, but not too much.